As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, Malmo Mullard, Hamstrings and ankles prove Achilles heel for strikers. We look ahead to Saturday's game with Norwich. There's a big win for the under-19s. And yes, a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. Hello again. Here we are for the second time this week, gathered together over the internet to talk about Chelsea Football Club. But who is we? Well, alongside you, listener, and me, Matt, are two of The Athletic's prized assets. Liam Toomey's back with us. Morning, Liam. Good morning. Oh, is that it? There's usually a little little Easter egg. Well, I was going to I, I was going to lead with something about you know a Havertz in the hand is worth two on the treatment table or something. <laughs> but, uh, I, I couldn't <laughs> quite good. work it out in my head. <laughs> uh, alongside Liam, a man who I had the pleasure of seeing live and in living colour at Stamford Bridge on Wednesday night, um, Simon Johnson. I thought the, the the butter chicken on offer was a return to form for the pre-match press room food. Do, do you agree? I, I have to say, when I when I first saw it in the box, uh, I was I was like, oh, I'm a bit underwhelmed. But they they gave it a nice bit of spice, and I, I must admit, I was very tempted to get a second box, but I got some <laughs> fruit instead. But a, a journalist, and I won't name any names, did go back for a second box of the butter chicken, uh, and I think he made the right call actually. Can I have three guesses at that journalist off the, off air? I, I don't. It's not the one you're thinking of, but okay. Um, but anyway, hello everyone. I've just about dried <laughs> off. I think that's one of the wettest games and post-match games I've ever attended, and the drive home was fun as well. Yeah, it was sodden. Uh, right, we're recording just hours after Chelsea's Champions League game with Malmo at the Bridge. Logic dictates, therefore, that that is our first port of call. And that will be it. Never a moment's doubt, really, tonight for Thomas Tuchel and his team. Classy, professional, clinical display. Beating Malmo by four goals to nil. A first ever for the club. For Andreas Christensen, Kai Havertz with another. Two Jorginho penalties, but worries over injuries to striker Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner. We won games before without Timo and we won games before without Romelu. We don't want to have these um, 
problems too often, but it happens. It's, it's during a season. You cannot, uh, you cannot hide from the fact that these things happen. Chelsea 4, Malmo nil. then even more comfortable than the scoreline suggests for the Blues. As mentioned, Simon and I were both on hand to see the game live. Simon even had the fastidiousness to record a voice note at the final whistle. Well, there we go. 4-0 Chelsea, back to uh, Champions League winning ways. And uh, the result they would have wanted to get the group a little bit back under control, although a late goal for Juventus at Zenit means they remain three points clear of Chelsea in the Raithers' first spot. Um, but on the positive front, it means Chelsea are three points clear of Zenit St. Petersburg. But really, this only tells part of the story. And whilst it was a positive evening in terms of the result, at what cost? Uh, both Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner going off in the first half, undoubtedly probably needing a scan in the morning to find out the severity of those injuries. But it means that Chelsea potentially will be without their two recognised centre forwards for a busy run of fixtures, uh, which is hardly ideal to put it mildly. On the plus side, Kai Havertz um, scored his first goal since his header at Anfield and he should now get a run in the side. And for those that were here, the most important goal scorer of the night, Andreas Christensen, his first goal for Chelsea. It only took him nine years, but it was well worth the wait. But I think if you're too cool, you might be thinking, when it rains, it pours. It was a very wet night here at Stamford Bridge. But the sight of those two forwards going off will perhaps give him a headache over the next few weeks. And Chelsea are going to be very reliant on Kai Havertz and we'll be hoping that he finds his best form. It's now time for Chelsea's uh, record signing from last year to come up trumps. But at least Chelsea won the game 4-0, so Tuchel will be happy about that at least. And now on to Norwich, who will be quite happy not to be probably facing Lukaku or Timo Werner. Uh, lots to take from that, chiefly that being soundtracked by Blue is the Colour played at an appropriate level is much more pleasant than the hard techno experience Don was subjected to in Turin. Uh, other than, than the win, Simon, the, the main takeaway was obviously the injuries to Lukaku and Werner. What, what did Thomas Tuchel have to say about those post-match? That um, obviously the, the, uh, the length of time they're going to be out will be determined by, by scans. Um, he was asked... Do you regret picking them? Which I think is a bit of a classic hindsight kind of question. I mean, crikey, you could ask that after any player gets injured. And he said, well, obviously, if I'd known they were going to get injured, I wouldn't have picked them, but I have no regrets. Um, and I certainly didn't have a problem with the team um, for a number of reasons. Um, Chelsea needed to to win after losing at Juventus. I think they needed a performance and attack to to instil some confidence, needed to get some form into Lukaku. And I thought for the, the brief time he was on the pitch that the three of, of Mount, Lukaku and Werner were were combining quite well. And there was what was noticeable was there was real sort of pace and energy into the into their play and into the play in general. It wasn't this slow passing which we've become used to. Yes, the caveat is Malmo um <laughs> Two years on from the Europa League meeting, they haven't improved. Um, they've probably got worse, if anything. Um, but yeah, it's a blow. It is a blow that, you know, and very unfortunate that both the strikers go off injured. Um, and, and Chelsea now going to have to somehow get through the next few weeks, one would imagine, without them.
Yeah, and as Simon's uh, post-match piece for the Athletic points out, it, it would have been handy to have Armando Brojo around to, to maybe fill in. As it is, though, Liam, looks as though Kai Havertz is, is probably the chief contender to be the, the nominal striker. Important for him that he got his goal on Wednesday. Is that who you'd be playing as the sort of front man come Norwich on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. Um, and he showed timely signs of life, didn't he? Um, I thought I thought his overall performance was was pretty good, pretty lively, and uh, and he he managed to get onto that pass, which was maybe slightly overhit. I'm going to give Hudson Odoi some credit because I think the the conditions were bad, uh, so I, th- I think the the pass skidded off the turf a little bit, but he still got there ahead of the keeper. Lovely finish from a really tight angle, uh, and Chelsea really need him to get into some rhythm now because they they were struggling for goals. Uh, for consistent goals with Lukaku and Werner fit. So they're definitely going to need to find them from somewhere. And it's a big opportunity as well for Ziyech, for Hudson-Odoi, for Mount and Pulisic whenever he gets back fit again. You know, there are two big um, rivals for those positions that are now out of commission for a little while. We don't know exactly how long for. There were suggestions, I saw a, a sports physio on Twitter suggesting that Lukaku's look like a high ankle sprain, which is generally a four to six week injury. Um, with Werner, obviously we know with hamstrings depends on how serious it is, but it's not going to be days. Um, so these other guys are going to get a bit of a run now. And um, and we're looking for something that we haven't really seen so far yet, which is for one of them, any one of them, uh, to really put their stamp on one of those positions and, and try and make the Chelsea attack their own. It's not the worst time for this to happen, Simon, is it? Norwich, Southampton, Newcastle, Malmo, Burnley, the next run of games. If you were going to be missing players, that might be the, the point of the season which you'd say, OK, we can cope with it. Yeah, and then and then the obvious two-week international break after as well. So, yeah, if you had to pick a moment, now would be it. Not to say that, you know, the caveat being, you know, you can't take those um, games for granted. Brentford showed at the weekends, you know, just just how difficult these games can be. But it's a real... I can't really emphasise enough what a great opportunity this is for guys that, that have been perhaps very frustrated. I mean, Hudson-Odoi, for example, he's been played out of position. He's rarely had a number of games in a row. Um, but this could be this could be the break that he desperately needs on, on the left-hand side of attack. He must be a sort of real strong contender to, to face Norwich, I would have thought, because he did look, look lively uh, against Malmo. And it's just huge for Havertz, because I, I think he was, he was really starting to feel down. I think it's three successive games he was named on the bench. Um, his form, which we've discussed on this pod before, uh, had taken a real downturn since the, since the first international break. I don't really see what other options Tuchel has to to have leading the line. Um, I think Loftus-Cheek has, has played up there, or certainly played an attacking role, but do you really want to disturb the little sort of understanding that he's he's got for the deeper midfield role that he's been showing in, the, in recent weeks? Um, yeah, maybe a false nine with a, with, a, with a Pulisic, if he ever gets fit, the big if. But um, but really, I, I just think it, it's Havertz, Havertz's position to to now make not his own because obviously Lukaku comes straight back in the side, but but certainly show the talent he is. But as I said in my piece, which you've, which you've raised, you do go back to pre-season, and I do wonder if Tuchel thinks back to that decision where 
he was going to keep Brozier as a replacement for Tammy Abraham once he left. Um, hindsight, as I said already, is a wonderful thing. But yeah, once uh, it became obvious he wasn't going to, he was kind of put away from the the main group once the internationals came back. And I think there there suddenly became a bit of a concern that this could end up being a wasted season. And and perhaps for Brozier himself, going to Southampton is going to work out. Um, but for Chelsea right now, I think they could have done with him in the squad. It's a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? Because I think, you know, Brozier's already looking like he's going to get serious minutes at Southampton. He's he's fought his way in um, into that two-man attack. And would you want him hanging around behind Lukaku and Havertz? We've already talked about the minutes that Havertz hasn't been able to have in the last few weeks. Where would Brozier be? Probably just training at Cobham. And that, that would seem a kind of monumental waste given how good he looked in pre-season and how good he's looked for Albania during international breaks. Uh, so I th- it, it's the individual's development versus, you know, the the, the team good. But I, I, I feel like he's probably better served by not being a, an insurance policy, um, even if it means Chelsea have to weather a little bit of a, a rough patch in the next couple of weeks. It might not even be that if the forwards they have perform. It shouldn't be that. Uh, before we move on from Malmo, we, we ought to give a nod to Andreas Christensen's first ever Chelsea goal, set up by his fellow centre-half, Thiago Silva. Absolutely uh, a beautiful thing that was. And, and two pens for Jorginho, Simon, which means that Chelsea have now had 15 different goal scorers already this season, which kind of points to maybe the absence of Lukaku and, and to a lesser extent, Werner for a while might not be that significant. If, if everybody else keeps chipping in, then the goals will keep coming. Well, yes, it's certainly a positive, especially now. <laughs> it's just like Chelsea aren't reliant on one man or two. You know, it's not a Mo Salah-inspired um, uh, team that, that is just scoring in every single game. It's that the goals are being shared around and from various in various ways, set pieces and penalties and open play. Um, so yeah, that that is that is sort of a sort of reason to be positive about the games coming up. But I still think that once Lukaku's back, Chelsea do need to to really see the best of him and get him fit and firing because Chelsea aren't going to win the league unless he scores on a regular basis. I enjoyed Jorginho resting the hop for the knockout stage <laughs> in his penalty run up. I mean, he, he kind of threw a sort of hint of a hop into the second one. Um, but in all seriousness, it's quite good to see him mixing up his penalty technique because it, he, he had a couple saved, didn't he? Um, and the more he can keep goalkeepers guessing, the better. I also enjoyed Andres Christensen scoring a far harder chance than the many he's missed in the <laughs> 137 games he's been waiting for this goal. It was. I remember in Conte's season, it was a running joke. He'd get like a gilt-edged header once a month that he'd, that he'd somehow put wide or over. Yeah, I just realised that in answering Matt's question, I, I hadn't mentioned Christian Liam's rightly uh, started to write that wrong. But it was a real, I'm sorry, Liam, not going to brag, but it was it was a real, were you there kind of moment. You know, it's only <laughs> taken nine years for him to score his first Chelsea goal. I actually thought it was one of my uh, COVID symptoms kicking in. I thought, am I seeing things? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it a great, great moment for him. And you could see the way he, he celebrated it meant a lot to him. And, um, and, and the fans loved it too. 
That would have been interesting if Lukaku had not got injured. Uh, who would have taken that first? And then obviously the second penalty, whether it would have been him or Jorginho, we'll never know. Uh, anyway, that win leaves Chelsea second in Group H. They got six points from three games, three behind Juventus. Uh, they will play Malmo again on match day four. That's at the start of next month. Next today, we turn our attention back to Premier League business. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Chelsea versus Norwich City in the early kickoff on Saturday then. The Canaries yet to win on their return to the top flight. BBC Norfolk's Chris Gorham will be on duty at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. He joins us now. Uh, Chris, let's get the important question out of the way first. Where is Billy Gilmore and what has Daniel Farker done with him? <laughs> I thought you might ask that. Um, I, I'm seeing this as it, this has been 30 years in in the waiting. This is payback for Robert Fleck uh, when, when we, we we sent one of our uh, you know, top Scottish players to, to you, and he was a great goal scorer. He's my hero growing up, and he, he barely scored a goal for Chelsea. So you know, re- revenge is a dish best served cold. Um, no, I, I I can I thought you'd ask because it, it's been puzzling us as well. In a way, it has because when Billy Gilmore signed, it felt like a real coup. We had one of the the top British talents playing for Norwich. City. It was exciting. But I think if you'd seen him play in the, the early matches he's played for Norwich, if he wasn't Billy Gilmore, if he didn't have that reputation, you, you would probably understand Daniel Farkas thinking a bit more. Oh, you know, Norwich were battered in, in the opening games of the season. They had a, a really tough start. They had Liverpool, Man City, you know, Leicester and Arsenal were their first four games. And they were really open. They were conceding lots and lots of goals. And Billy wasn't really having any influence on, on games that we, we know he can because we've seen him do it for Chelsea on occasions, we've seen him do it for Scotland. So uh, Daniel Farker is full of praise for him. He, I'm sure he would like to figure out a way of getting him back in the team. But in, in recent weeks, it's been about making Norwich more solid. And when he was in the team, Norwich were far too open that they were conceding a lot of goals. And, and I think that's probably the, the main reason for his absence at the moment. And that solidity that you mentioned has been been borne out in in the last couple of results against Brighton and Burnley. Obviously, it's been a, a difficult start, but but have you seen genuine signs of, of progress in these last two matches? So defensively, definitely. Uh, I mentioned how open they were in, in the first few games of the season. Daniel Farker has, has changed things. He's gone to three centre-backs and, and wing-backs and, and they've looked a lot better in that system. It's something he's not done very often in, in his spell as, as Norwich City head coach, although he, he did do it actually in his first season when Norwich got a, a couple of draws against Chelsea and took them all the way to, to penalties in, in the FA Cup. I'm sure you'll remember that. And, and having had success like that as a, a club at the time that was mid table at best in the championship 
I thought we might see him do it more often in the Premier League last time Norwich were up, but they had all sorts of injury problems and, and barely had one fit central defender, never mind three, for much of the season. So it's not that much of a surprise to see him, to see him doing that now. And the last three games they've gone with, with three centre-backs, they've actually only conceded one goal while they've had three centre-backs, and that was a penalty uh, against Everton. Everton got a second goal, but that was when Norwich were tracing the game and they'd they'd taken off one, one of those defenders. So given they're not scoring very many goals, and that's a huge issue, they're really not scoring many at all, I think Daniel Farker has realised that he cannot afford to be too far behind in games, that they can't afford to concede. So certainly in recent weeks, the, the emphasis has been on being more difficult to beat and, and more difficult to play against. And the last two or three games, it has worked. Chris, how, how are you doing? Um, what, 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 what do you make of criticism from certain uh, radio station pundits that have sort of <laughs> suggested what is the point of Norwich being in the Premier League when they sort of haven't made a proper crack of it, haven't spent loads of money. Uh, do you think it's a, 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 I assume not, but do you think, what do you think of that um, <laughs> accusation and, and the, the, the potential snobbery about, uh, about what they're trying to say? I think as a, when you are following a team that is rock bottom of the Premier League and at the, the time didn't have any points at all, it, it's very difficult to have any comeback to that at all because you see Brentford are absolutely flying. We've seen other teams come up and, and make a better fist of it than Norwich City. But I do think some of those comments are, are, are from people who perhaps don't understand you know, what Norwich City are trying to do. Actually, I think by their standards, they have been pretty ambitious this summer. They, they've spent... Now, I always feel like um, I should be saying this in the style of Dr. Evil from, from Austin Powers because they have spent £50 million this summer. And to us, that's we can't believe it. That's huge money. But I know I'm on a Chelsea podcast and, and you're thinking <laughs> that, that's a loose change. But, you know, it's Norwich doing things differently. You know, two seasons ago, they were relegated comfortably uh, from the Premier League, having come up and tried to keep what was a very impressive championship squad together. I think they've spent the last... They've only had a year, really, because that season finished late and then they had a, a hectic championship season. They're back in the Premier League. I think they're still a little bit scarred by what happened last time they were up they've tried to learn lessons from it as well so rather than keeping the same squad this time they, they sold Emi Buendia and they've used that money to, to reinvest in the squad but Norwich don't have rich owners that they, they, they are limited by the fact that yes they get the Premier League money in but they don't have anything else on, on top of that and I think what has annoyed Norwich City supporters more than anything is the fact that on the one hand you've got people criticising you know European Super Leagues and, and criticising what's happened at, at Newcastle um, and then people are criticising Norwich for not doing that and not having a go and, and not selling their souls. So I, I think a, a lot of the criticism has stung, but until Norwich City start getting results and, and start pulling away from the bottom of the table, there are always going to be questions as to whether you know getting 97 points in the Championship last season is is enough to, to say they, 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 they are worth a place amongst the elite. First of all, Chris, I don't know why people in Norwich are crowing about spending the equivalent of two-thirds of a kepper. <laughs> 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 well, we, the other thing I was going to say actually on Billy Gilmore is that uh, a few Norwich fans have been amused by the fact that Norwich have been um, Norwich have been criticised for not finding room for Billy Gilmore in the team yet, but by fans of a club that couldn't get Mo Salah or Kevin De Bruyne in the team a few years ago. <laughs> Brutal, <laughs> indeed, but, but fair. <laughs> um, yeah, only joking. Um, has Daniel Farker uh, spoken much about his relationship with Thomas Tuchel? Because we know we know they go back a long way. Um, has he talked about that much at Norwich and, and do you think their familiarity could perhaps give him you know, some sort of an edge in the game this weekend? 
I think it, looking at the, the, the relative squads on paper, it's going to need a bit more than that for, to give Norwich a, a chance. I'm sure Daniel Farker wouldn't have been too sorry to see Lukaku and, and Timo Werner get, getting injured the other night. Although, of course, I know that there are plenty of other players that he'll be worried about. But yeah, I, I, I do think that the, 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 the signing of Billy Gilmore, I know we talked about that a lot already, but I think one of the reasons Norwich were able to get him was probably that relationship between the two head coaches. Um, Farker... Uh, was uh, the, the the coach of the the Borussia Dortmund second team when Tuchel was the, the manager of, of the first team and a, a lot of people when Norwich were previously in the Premier League were trying to link Farker with, with Jurgen Klopp but actually their their paths hadn't crossed it was very much Tuchel and, and Farker who were together uh, at Dortmund, uh, Dortmund at, at the same time and one thing that Daniel Farker has done and we, we mentioned the the relative lack of resources he he's done wonders with a lot of Norwich's young players you know players like Max Aarons who's been talked about with a big move Todd Cantwell's got a huge reputation Emmy Buendia was another one even James James Madison, you know, Daniel Farker's been here a long time now. James Madison hadn't started a, a league game for Norwich City when he, he came to the club and he turned him into you know, a, a record sale. And since then, uh, Ben Godfrey has gone to Everton. Uh, again, another player who barely played a game for Norwich City when Daniel Farker arrived and, and Wendia this summer. So in terms of trusting him with a young player, yes, while he's not playing Gilmore at the moment, I'd say he's in safe hands. Daniel Farker's got an excellent record of, of bringing through these these young talents and turning them into players that are worth millions and millions of pounds. So if he's looking at a 19, 20-year-old player and thinking he's not ready for first-team football yet, I think Daniel Farker sort of earned the right for, for us to, to to respect that. But yeah, him and Tuchel were, were close at, at Dortmund and I, I'm sure, even if it hasn't been said publicly, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why Billy Gilmore has ended up here in, in the fine city of Norwich. My final question, Chris, is um, to, to stay up, is it going to take uh, a speech of the let's be having you nature? <laughs> well, I, I would hope not. It might. What, what has been interesting this year is that two seasons ago, Daniel Farker... In pretty much every time we spoke to him, he talked about how Norwich would need a. He, he liked talking about a little miracle. That's what that was his little catchphrase two seasons ago. Oh, we need a little miracle if we're going to stay up. He hasn't said that this season because I think he realizes that unlike two seasons ago, he's been backed. He, he you know, players have been signed. It's a it's a squad that looks a lot deeper than the one that Norwich had two years ago. I mean, you look at. At some games this season, they've lined up with Brandon Williams. They've got on loan from Manchester United. Ozan Kabak, who has been excellent so far, and and Gilmore. So he's actually he can start a game this season with someone who was playing for Manchester United last year, someone who's playing for Liverpool last year, and someone who's playing for Chelsea. So with that in mind, no one is expecting Norwich City to be top ten or push for the Champions League or anything silly like that. But the fans here are expecting you know, a decent fist at staying up. That the, the squad he's got should be competing for for sixteenth, seventeenth. I think that the start they had to the season they also had a Covid outbreak in the summer they lost a couple of their pre-season friendlies there was a lot of forgiveness at the start of the season but since they've been beaten by Watford there's been encouragement in the last two games but they haven't got that win yet so he's under a bit more pressure this time to to keep the team in the Premier League it it might take more than than getting Delia on the mic for for, for the magic to work this year (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, we live in hope that there'll be a return for that, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> um, Chris, many thanks for your time today. Good luck for the rest of the season after Saturday. We'll need it. Thank you. <laughs> Chris Gorham from BBC Radio Norfolk there. Simon, is there any chance of Christian Pulisic coming back for this game, do we think? Is he still going to be out for the for the foreseeable future? The way Tuchel was talking the other day, I don't think so. Um this this um, pain in his ankle, which um, he flagged in the pre-match press conference for Malmo, um, is obviously a concern for them. He, he was due to return to training uh, last week, but that that pain, which which Tuchel's flagged, has, has sort of 
flared up a few times. Is is clearly a worry for for Chelsea. Is clearly a worry for Pulisic and the player he is. Um, he needs to sort of not have that worry in the back of his mind if he's going to be the player that that Chelsea want him to be. Also, bear in mind, um, he's now been what two months since his last well his his only Premier League appearance. Um, so he's going to be pretty short of match fitness. Um, so yeah, I, I can't see Pulisic coming back certainly in the next week or two. Liam, you look at this game on paper, top v bottom, Norwich without a win, Chelsea in good form, if not playing at their absolute best at the moment, anything routine home win. But I'm just looking at the recent meetings between the two teams. None of the last seven have had more than a single goal between them. Does that indicate maybe that it might be trickier than we think, particularly that Norwich are coming into it with two clean sheets in a row? Or am I looking for a narrative that's not there? Trap game. Um, (laughs) I mean... They can all be trap games, can't they, in the Premier League? It's possible that Norwich, the way they're playing now, could be set up to give Chelsea a few more problems. I think less so to win the game and more just to frustrate them in a low block. Um, I think the way they started the season, you know, high, high pressing, trying to play a little bit more expansive, that would have suited Chelsea down to the ground because they would have been able to play through that press and, and, and really exploit the space even without Werner and Lukaku. As it stands, they might have to work a little bit harder to break Norwich down. And, and we've seen Chelsea have problems with that before against teams that, that aren't really looking to to come out too much against them. But having said that, you know, it's the least talented team in the league, I think, by by a distance. Um, and Chelsea Chelsea have more than enough firepower, even with the injuries they suffered against Malmo. They they should be able to find a way, and if they don't, um, they'll be taking a long hard look at themselves. Because it, again, as I said before the Brentford game, if you want to win this Premier League, you look at how well Liverpool are playing. You look at the standard Manchester City set pretty consistently. You have to win these games. It's non-negotiable. You have to win them, and you have to win them convincingly. Well, Chelsea versus Norwich gets underway at 12.30 UK time on Saturday. We'll talk you through on Monday's pod. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hi. 
Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-19s were involved in a wild game on a windy Wednesday at Kings Meadow as they came from behind to beat Malmo 4-2 in the UEFA Youth League. Andy Meyer's team were two down after 58 minutes before staging a rapid-fire turnaround thanks to goals from Dion Rankin, Xavier Simons, Brian Fiabima and Silco Thomas. It means Chelsea is second in their group after three games behind Juventus on goal difference. This weekend, the under-23s are away to Leicester in PL2. That's a 5pm kickoff. Before that, the under-18s have a derby date at Fulham on Saturday morning. The women's team remember on international break, they return to WSL action on the 6th of November when they go to Aston Villa. Right, coming next, our beloved quiz. Uh, Listener, you know the score with this by now. If not, I'll fill you in. Liam and Simon get three questions each, all loosely based on Chelsea versus Norwich City. The winner is showered with praise. The loser must hang their head in shame. Is there a Robert Fleck round? Is that is that what's coming? <laughs> I'm already hanging my head in shame. I haven't even started yet. Is there a Robert Fleck round, he says, as I look at Liam's question too? Uh, possibly. But before we get to that... <laughs> oh... I'm going to have to change that because, uh, okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll freestyle it, listener. It's fine. The answer was Robert Fleck. The answer can be something else. Can I get get a preemptive point? I think I might lose the quiz for that. So neither of you guys can. So that's a plus. Uh, Anyway, Liam, Norwich and Chelsea last met in the 2019-20 season. The first game that turned between the pair was at Carrow Road, August 2019. Chelsea won it 3-2. Which player scored their first Blues goals? They got two of them in said fixture. 2019-20. Tammy Abraham scored. Is the correct answer. Oh, okay. Oh, I shouldn't have. I should have just let you carry on talking. This is the worst hosting I've ever done of a quiz. No, I was just trying to remember who else scored in that game. Well, Mount Mount had already scored against Leicester, hadn't he? So it wasn't going to be Yeah, yeah, okay. There's some serious questions to be asked of me at the end of all this. But a serious question for you now, Simon. Uh, Norwich did the double over Chelsea in the first season of the Premier League, aka 1992-93. Which current championship manager scored in both fixtures for the Canaries? 92-93. He was playing for Norwich around then. He might be in the management game in 2021. Oh, I can't remember. I can't even think if uh, I'm going to, as per usual, I'm going to. One of your classic Norwich 90s players, I'd like to think. Liam's ready for the steal. Oh, I don't know. I'm ready for a punt. (laughs) Not Neil Adams. Neil Adams. For some reason that name came into my head. Is that a real person? I'm not even sure that's a Norwich (laughs) player. It's just a name in my head. You just invented a championship manager. I think it's someone I bumped into last night. I think it is a Norwich player. Anyway, it's not the right answer. Uh, have you got the right answer, Liam? I've no idea. I've got a punt. Uh, Mark Robbins? Mark Robbins is the correct answer. Current oh, well manager done. of Coventry City. Of it's 2-0 to 2 me. Right, Liam, I'm repurposing your uh Is it Robert question. Fleck? <laughs> it was. Uh, producer Lucy points out, Neil Adrian Adams, MBE, is an English judoka who won numerous Olympic and World Championship medals in judo. He was also a former Norwich manager, I think. Anyway, uh, where were we? Question two for Liam. The aforementioned Robert Fleck has a nephew currently playing in the championship. 
What's his name and who does he play for? Would his nephew have the same surname? Is it John Fleck? It is John Fleck, yeah. Absolutely right, on fire. Okay. Sorry, I was just confused by the, the the nature of the familial Fleck clan. Is there any point carrying on? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, right, In whilst waiting for Liam to get another question right, I've Googled Neil Adams just because I went, where the hell did I get that from? And yes, he is the former manager of Norwich and he's the, the current assistant sporting uh, director for Norwich City. So do I get a point okay. for for just sort of getting the name right of someone connected to Norwich, even though it completely didn't answer the question? I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just delighted that it, it wasn't some random name that i just come up with in my head in some bizarre <laughs> reason. I thought I thought you were just going to start making unsolicited references to obscure people in combat sports. <laughs> well, I might as well. I've lost the quiz already. Uh, okay, the answer to this one's not Conor McGregor. Simon, question two. Uh, who scored his first Chelsea goal on his debut in a 3-1 home win against Norwich in August of 2011? Liam knows this one too. A bad morning for Johnson Quizwise. One matter. Hey, he's got that one in the chamber. It's like a consolation goal. It's like a bit. <laughs> it's like the ninetieth minute. You fold it. You know, I was three 0 down, and there's that little tap in, and the crowd go. Hey. <laughs> well, you could still get a second, and, and maybe I'll deduct Liam some points if he gets this answer really badly wrong for his final question. Um, yeah, please. You, it, it, you won't get it really badly wrong. I'm, Don't I'm you go bringing moral points into this again. <laughs> uh, Liam, this is your last question then. Norwich beat Chelsea over two legs in the 2013 FA Youth Cup final. Two players who featured in that tie for Chelsea started for the Blues against Brentford last weekend. Can you name them? Um, Loftus-Cheek would have been in that team, wouldn't he? Correct. Yeah. Um, and Christensen. Very good. Very good. I would have got that. <laughs> well, let's see if you get this. This, Simon, your no. final one, is, this is by a wide margin the hardest question of the quiz, I think. Why did um, you give it to me? I need the easiest. <laughs> What's your name? Uh... Because I believe in you. Uh, well, we need names, but not your own. In 2018, Chelsea needed a replay and a penalty shootout to knock Norwich out of the FA Cup at the third round stage. Chris was talking about that earlier. Uh, in the replay at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea had two players sent off in extra time. Can you name them? I'd totally forgotten this and I was at the game. So, uh, Was Morata one of them? Morata was one of them. Really good start. Struggling with the other one. I've got a punt for the other one. Just trying to think of a, I know, a centre back. What year was it? 2018. 2018. I don't know. It's not right, but I'll go Rudiger. It's not right. Liam? Was it Azpilicueta? Incorrect. It was Pedro, believe it or not. I have oh. absolutely no recollection yeah, of this. Yeah, that dirty so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a half point. Yay. Another interesting fact about that otherwise utterly forgettable tie was that the first leg, which was one of the dullest games I've ever seen, a nil-nil at Carrow Road, 
Antonio Conte calling Mourinho a little man oh, and yes. a fake. That was that 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 was the the only time in my career that um, an away trip was solely validated by the press conference. I consider him uh, a little man, and I consider him uh, a man with uh, uh, a very low profile. You understand? It's the only reason for going. <laughs> I think I think Conte felt sorry for all of us that were on that trip and just went, you know, you know, as the aforementioned drive uh, <laughs> to Norwich. I uh, just thought, yeah, let, let's let's get some handbags out, and uh, yeah, that that sort of spat between uh, Conte and Marina ran for about six six weeks, didn't it? A couple of months. It was really uh, unseemly, but um, made for good copy. Yeah, you say unseemly. I was going to say great fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> the Mourinho season and all that. In that same press conference, I think Conte offered to meet Mourinho in a room and settle it once and for all. <laughs> I'm ready. I don't think he's ready. That was what he was saying. Well, well, I saw them have a hug uh, in the tunnel after after Chelsea beat Man United 4-0 and Jose got really cross because Conte celebrated one of the goals. He kind of offered him a conciliatory hug in the tunnel afterwards and, and Conte kind of winked at uh, me and the, the camera up who I was with as if to say, <laughs> I'm not really taking part in this hug. And it was, um, it was a lovely moment. <laughs> Anyway, Simon, what have you been uh, planning for Athletic subscribers to enjoy other than the post-match piece that we've mentioned? Well, it's, it's already come up, funnily enough. Um, there's there's a joint read with a few of us about Billy Gilmore and, and what's going on there and asking the question and answering it. Um, was, it was it the right move uh, to send in there on loan, et cetera, et cetera, and what's going on? Um, so that's that's the that's the main read ahead of Norwich. It is the talking point, I think. Aside from the who's playing up front issue, I think Chelsea fans have been watching what's going on with Gilmore with with some kind of alarm. Um, and then I also sort of not so much a, a piece that's coming up, but a piece I've done. I, I just think that the theme still applies that um, that Chelsea um, there's reasons to be positive. I've put a positive spin on it that that Chelsea are top of the league despite not having played well yet um, on a consistent basis. And I make the argument that that has got to be a bit concerning if Liverpool and Man City can ever be concerned about anything. Uh, but it's got to be a bit concerning that Chelsea is still at the head of both of them despite you know um, not being at their best yet. And uh, there's a lot more to come from them. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Uh, Liam? Nap times and nappies permitting, you'll be watching the Norwich game from the comfort of your sofa. Are you expecting a comfortable game? Um, well, comfortable for them or comfortable for me? <laughs> Either. I, I don't. I don't expect a comfortable experience for me, but uh, Chelsea should should be able to make relatively easy work of it. I was going to say, Matt. Funny enough, um, nap time and nappies is sort of applies to me, but that's for different reason. <laughs> Wow. Uh, we'll, leave there. Uh, we'll be back on Monday when we'll break down the 4-0 win against Norwich and look ahead to the midweek Carabao Cup <laughs> Until then, many thanks to Liam, to Simon, to producer Lucy and to you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Lucy's lost it. <laughs> you know what to do there, Lucy. You know what to do there. <laughs> The Athletic.